Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. The day was June 20th, 1900. The siege of the legation quarter in Beijing, China, began when boxers and the Chinese Imperial Army attacked the thousands of foreigners and Chinese Christians who had taken refuge there. The Boxer Rebellion erupted in China in the late 1890s in response to growing Western influence in the country. After China had taken losses in the Opium Wars and the First Sino-Japanese War, people had grown frustrated with foreign control and Chinese economic affairs. Western culture and technology were upending society. A lot of the ire directed toward Western influence targeted Chinese people who had converted to Christianity. Christian missionaries took the side of Chinese Christians, and non-Christians in the country took offense to this. This is where the boxers come in, also known as the Righteous and Harmonious Fists. The name of boxers, given to the group by foreigners, came from the martial arts they practiced, which they believed gave them special powers. The boxers were largely unemployed peasants and farmers. They harbored anti-foreign sentiments, and they often resorted to violent action to express their anger with foreign influence. Many boxers were from Shandong province, a place that had faced lots of natural disasters and had been carved up by Western imperial powers. The province became a center of the uprising. Boxers spread rumors about foreigners, and soon they had resorted to rioting, killing, and raping Christian missionaries and converts. At first, Qing troops attempted to suppress the boxers, but in January of 1900, Empress Dowager Shi ordered that they not be considered criminals. Qing officials encouraged boxers in their anti-foreign and anti-Christian actions. Despite the fact that violence was escalating, many people who faced persecution chose to stay or did not have the resources to leave. By mid-1900, the rebellion had reached Beijing. Boxers were burning churches and intimidating and killing people who tried to quell the rebellion. On May 30th, foreign ministers in Beijing requested troops be sent to Beijing, and international forces began arriving in the following days to protect Westerners and Christians. But the boxers were wreaking havoc around Beijing, destroying technology and infrastructure and committing gruesome murders. They even cut the telegraph wires going out of Beijing. Great Britain's senior foreign minister, Sir Claude MacDonald, had called for help and a multinational relief force of 2,100 people was sent from Tianjin to Beijing. But the Empress Dowager ordered imperial troops to block their advance, and they were turned back. She also ordered that all foreigners must leave Beijing. As they were not able to or feared to do so, many foreigners were stuck in Beijing. On June 20th, the German minister was killed, and boxers besieged the legation quarter in Beijing, or the diplomatic district. The quarter was home to diplomats from many Western countries, Japan and Russia, and it contained many international shops, missionaries, journalists, and travelers. A few thousand foreign soldiers, foreign civilians, and Chinese Christians lived or had taken refuge in the district. 
After the siege began, the Empress Dowager escalated tensions, opposing foreigners, and aligning with the boxers. In Beijing, a library was burned, a mine was set off under French legation, and people were killed. Violence continued outside of Beijing as well. The Qing government declared a ceasefire on legations on July 17th, but the siege would last for 55 days. Another international relief force of about 20,000 people was sent from Tianjin to Beijing in early August, reaching the city on August 14th. Empress Dowager Cixi fled to present-day Xi'an. The Boxer Rebellion ended when the Boxer Protocol was signed in September of 1901. China was ordered to pay millions of dollars in reparations to foreign nations involved in the conflict. Boxers and Chinese officials implicated in the rebellion were ordered to be punished, and Western nations were allowed to keep troops stationed in Beijing. Estimates of the death toll in the Boxer Rebellion vary, but many of the people killed were civilians, particularly Chinese Christians. The Qing Dynasty fell about 10 years after the end of the rebellion. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you feel like correcting my pronunciation or my accent on anything that I've said in the show, feel free to leave a very kind comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Boxer Rebellion, check out the episode of Stuff You Missed in History class called Boxer Rebellion. And if you haven't listened already, you can check out another show I host called Unpopular. Unpopular is about people in history who challenged the status quo and sometimes had to face really harsh consequences for it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, y'all, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast that brings you a tidbit of history every day. The day was June 20th, 1975. The thriller film Jaws was released, directed by Steven Spielberg and based on a 1974 novel by Peter Benchley. The movie was at one point the highest grossing film. It didn't hold that title for long, but it remains a pivotal blockbuster in Hollywood history. The novel Jaws is about a great white shark that attacks people in a resort town and the subsequent effort to kill the shark. The author of the book, Peter Benchley, had been interested in sharks for a while and was considering writing a story that had to do with a shark. He read an article about a great white shark that fisherman Frank Mundus caught in 1964 and found more inspiration to write Jaws. Benchley was also inspired by events like the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916. After the book was published in 1974, it was picked up by book sales clubs and gained a lot of traction. Richard D. Zanuck and David Brown, producers at Universal Pictures, read the book and purchased the film rights. Steven Spielberg, who had just directed his first theatrical feature, The Sugarland Express, was chosen to direct Jaws. Filming began in May of 1974 in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. Mechanical sharks were made for production and they shot the movie in the ocean. Technological issues and delays put production over budget but the malfunctions and delays are said to have helped the movie, since they required Spielberg to shoot many scenes where the shark was not visible and its presence was only hinted at. 
barrels were used to represent the shark's location, and many of the shots were just of the shark's dorsal fin. The suspense built from not seeing the shark has become one of the film's most defining and memorable features. John Williams composed the score for the movie, which is known for its ominous shark theme. Principal photography went more than 100 days over schedule. Spielberg commented that he thought his career was over because the film was so delayed. But Universal spent a lot of money on marketing the film. Spielberg, Benchley, Zanuck, and Brown toured cities promoting the book and movies. Universal spent $700,000 on a TV ad campaign. On June 20th, 1975, Jaws was released in around 460 movie theaters in the U.S. and Canada. As the novel garnered more attention, the film gained more steam at the box office. On June 23rd, Jaws landed on the cover of Time magazine. The film was successful, so a bunch of merchandise was created to promote its release. It was expanded to hundreds more theaters, and by early 1976, it had become the highest-grossing film in the world. The film and its score won several awards. Film historians credit Jaws with paving the way for later summer Hollywood blockbusters, like Star Wars. It influenced the popularity of the summer movie season, but it also influenced a lot of films revolving around large predatory animals and left a huge mark on pop culture. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.